listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 60 of the Testudo Times Podcast. I can't believe we've done 60 of these already, where if reality but us hard last week, I think reality this week has given us all rabies. There's only one person joining me today, and it's Ryan. And uh, hi, Ryan. You are still in one piece after Saturday, I take it. Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, wasn't wasn't the best. wasn't wasn't particularly fun. There are, there are a few positives you can take from it, but it was not it was not a particularly encouraging day. No, it wasn't. And I will also say that Thomas, who's normally on this show and would have been on this show. It went so badly on Saturday that now three days later he has contracted an illness of some kind and can't talk. It is. It is. It is sad. That's you know, I I didn't know. To people. That's what I didn't know because I people, I only folks. saw him. I saw him only a few hours ago and he was uh, he was speaking just fine. But uh, my best this wishes is, to a quick recovery. Yeah, this is what happens to people when you uh, when you watch Maryland football long enough, you get sick. I, I don't know, but the good news, uh, well, when I say good news, I'm being very selfish when I say that because on Saturday, normally I make my way to watch, go out of my way to watch every single Maryland football game and as many basketball games as I can. That's always what I try to do to better foster good conversations on this show. Saturday, however, I was calling a soccer game and missed all of the game. It's very rare that that happens. But it turns out that that was a good thing because I didn't get sick from watching it and I didn't have to watch it, period. So I'm going to just spend most of this podcast asking Ryan questions about what happened and we'll go from there and we'll diagnose the causes of illness, so to speak. So we'll first start with Tyrell Pigram started and that was not what most of us expected. They announced it 15 minutes before the game started after it had looked like Perry Hills was going to start all week. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty shocking. And in everything I wrote this week, I was last week I was totally assuming that Hills was going to be the guy. And uh, you know, I think it was probably just a case of they hoped he'd get better throughout the week, like he did a couple, like he did after he was hurt a couple weeks ago. And then I think by Saturday, they just you know he wasn't there. And obviously, you know, they like to be as coy about injuries as possible, like many college football teams do and like his uh former head coach jim harbaugh likes to do um but yeah that was that was pretty shocking and it's uh it's it's unclear exactly how much of a disadvantage it was not having perry hills but uh you could it's safe to say it wasn't uh there, there was there was a bit of a drawback for sure well how much of a disadvantage was it? Now, I've made the argument to people who were calling for Perry Hills to be benched multiple times, not only this season, but in the past, was that there isn't a sensible option to replace him. And it's pretty clear that the staff views Tyrell Pigram as the number two quarterback, not Borton Slogger, not even Caleb Rowe. This is Pigram is the second guy. And in the last couple of weeks against quality opposition, no offense to Purdue or Howard or FI or any of the teams that Maryland played before. Uh, they aren't quality opposition now. It's pretty evident. In this case, Pigram has really struggled against both 
Penn State and Minnesota. And I don't think we should be shocked by that. We talked about that a week ago, that he's still got a lot to learn as a passer. He has a lot of athleticism, but it's going to take time to mold that. But I think what's become evident is that despite all of Perry Hills' faults, he's still at least a semi-decent FBS quarterback that can lead Maryland to wins against semi-decent opponents. And Tyrell Pigram isn't there yet. Yeah, I think um, most of that is probably accurate. Uh, Hills, I think, is probably the best option Maryland has, although the uh, the numbers from the Penn State game uh, show that the offense really didn't get much worse when Piglin was in, even if it stopped scoring points, because points, you know, that's not exactly – that's, you know, ideally, sure, you could measure offense mm-hmm. by points, but – there's a it's it's not quite as simple as that and um yeah i think hills i i think hills will probably be back this week for michigan state but that's just my interpretation of dj durkin uh say he durkin said today or we're recording this on tuesday that uh he didn't know about hills and then listed hills as the starter on the depth chart uh two hours later which is basically just some mixed signals there, and I couldn't really tell you what's going on. But I think I think Hills is going to end up being out there, and I think that's probably for the best. Um, and it's obviously worth noting that uh, you know we're not no one no one should really be uh, you know Pigram is you know still has potential to be a good quarterback. He was a three-star recruit, and at being a three-star recruit, it's really hard to come in and start in the Big Ten, especially against teams that have good. If you, if you're playing a team that has a good run defense and you're relied to pat, you're relied on to pass the ball, then that's 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 a lot to ask. And uh, in his post-game press conference, Durkin was real quick to note that you know, you know there was there's blame to go all around, and uh, and he's he's correct there for sure. So I take it the running game basically went away. Well, it's you know they they kept the uh, the final ratio was about even run to pass, which uh, which for Maryland generally means Maryland they're I losing think, by a lot. Maryland will generally be running the ball a good deal more than it's passing. Um, this, but the ratio was sort of skewed by two distinct things, which were one the team passed a whole lot more in the fourth quarter than it did in the rest of the game, and in the fourth quarter was when they actually were the offense was good uh they were marching down the field finally there was a uh i guess matt for since you didn't see there was one pigram threw a pick six in the fourth uh in the fourth quarter that sort of uh the game was already out of reach but that that really that really iced it and it just it was a screen pass that kind of nicked off Teldrick morgan's hands as Morgan was about to get absolutely demolished by a couple of Minnesota defenders, and it just ended up perfectly, just by chance, in uh, in the hands of a Minnesota defender who just took it back for an easy touchdown. But that, if they were driving on that one, they had just scored in two consecutive um, drives before then. First was a field goal, second was a touchdown, and there was there was some real progress before then for whatever reason. Now, obviously. This could just be, oh, we're going up against a team that knows it's already has this game in the bag pretty much. That probably it probably plays a role there. What was the score at that point? Um, at that point it was twenty four to ten, I wanna say. Okay. So they, I, they, I, they I had get, I get the impression that it was at that point you're saying it was twenty four nothing. 
and then they made it 24 to 10 and then the pick six happened because obviously Maryland lost what was it 31 to 10 31 10 yeah so that the pick six it was already so in the fourth quarter they already allowed a 70 yard touchdown run where the guy just got uh someone missed their lane on defense and the guy just got through the line easily dodged uh tackle in the secondary and then it was over and really without those two big plays though that's like we're looking at a totally different game but those two big plays but there's where they can't overcome that they're not um, good enough yet where they can overcome giving up big plays late because at least again so as you're saying it was what 17 nothing going into the fourth quarter is what you're saying uh, yeah, because I think that that's probably that, what that it was. Yeah. So I will check that, and while I uh, tap dance a bit while I check this information, so if it's seventeen nothing now, again, there are a lot of deficits in college football that are pretty hard to overcome. Twenty-four to ten isn't terrible, but if you're giving up, you know, gigantic plays, chunk plays. And well, they they, the they really like they really weren't. They, those were the only two big plays in the uh, in the game. But I will say the the seventeen nothing deficit they entered the yeah. time frame was uh, it was it was significant. There was you know there was it seemed like there was pretty much no hope. And the when they were trailing by two touchdowns with you know probably three four minutes left in the mm-hmm. game, so it was it you know the game was you know seemed fairly out of reach. But uh, it was it was still close enough where they could. Uh, they could be a little bit competitive at the end because the first big quarters were just all all Minnesota. Okay, so I also need to ask because I'm looking at the box score. Did did we really see a combined ten carries from three running backs? Is that a <sighs> yes, thing that that happened? I, I that, do. I'm fully on the Walt Bell bandwagon. I think he's great. He's still very young. He's still got a lot to learn. But I, I, I would find that, and I bet if I was watching the game, I probably would have been fairly angry. I find running it with them 10 times total inexcusable. Inexcusable. Yeah, I think um, if when Walpel looks back on that, he'll probably want that one back. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see what he has to say when he talks to the media tomorrow. He's always He's a pretty big, you know, taking responsibility guy which which i guess every coach is but uh he's you know he's very upfront about that i think that'll be it he'll, he'll get asked about it i'm sure i mean i'm because i with you i'm i was fully on the wall belt train and i think it's a little uh it's part of it had to do with the fact that minnesota's run defense was so good and maryland just wasn't getting anything done yeah but and, at 10 carries can you really tell I mean, I know a lot of them are essentially read options, and maybe he'll caveat that by saying they're read options. Tyrell took it instead of handing it off. I didn't watch the game, so I can't make that judgment for anybody. And if you watched the game, you probably would have had a better idea of it than I would have. But still, 10 carries for those running backs when they've been the strength of the team thus far, it doesn't really matter if Minnesota is stopping you. 10 carries is not enough to tell you whether you're being stopped. 20 is, but 10 is not. Yeah, I mean, I'd say when you look back on it, I mean, you got Lorenzo Harrison with four carries. I'd say he probably averages seven a game. Ty Johnson probably also averages seven a game. So it's not like they were necessarily, you know, but I don't see that much. I, I see one Kenneth Goins carry, and I see yeah. nothing for Wes Brown. So yeah. clearly there's something happening here. Uh, by something happening, you, like, mean what? 
Well, either Wes Brown is way down on the depth chart, way further than we think, because there's no reason why he shouldn't be getting at least some carries. Yeah. And then yeah, the same with Kenneth, with Kenneth Goins, but these are questions we can ask. Well, well I think Kenneth, Kenneth Goins is he, he's a go, he's the team's go-to short down back i imagine and, with and evidently out with they're not now. in short yarded situations uh, pretty much often. yeah i know his one his one uh carry was it was like a third or fourth down and he got it and uh yeah i mean the team was getting in it was doing that thing again where well, actually no penalties were a big one in this one and it was getting in long like second and longs that those those were big and uh yeah it just wasn't the play calling certainly was suspect although with and especially with Pigram in, I, I I'm, I'm interested to see what, what Walt Bell has to say. Uh, Pigram ended up the game with uh, with 25 rushes himself, mm-hmm. but a good a good amount of those were scrambles. It was generally he'd drop back and then uh, if he saw open space, he he try to go get it. And mm-hmm. It was a uh, and it was you know the the results the results with any with any freshman quarterback were, mm-hmm. were mixed. So there are three other things from this game that we need to get to, and we'll go in order. We'll start with the defense in general, and it seems like it had a pretty bad day at the office against a, well, second-string quarterback. And I see they got run on again. Don't think that's a bit of a surprise after what happened against Penn State. Um, Connor Rota threw the ball 15 times. You really want to make a backup quarterback throw the ball way more than 15 times? I mean, Tyrell Pigram threw it 37. Gives you kind of an idea. And I guess tying into that are the penalties. And Maryland this season has had their moments of ill-discipline, but they haven't been undisciplined. And I get the sense from what you're saying to me is that Maryland was undisciplined on Saturday, and they are not a team that can be undisciplined and get away with it. Um, yeah, I don't exactly know what I'd call it, but I know that, uh, the penalties were just, they were, they were just bad timing and a couple well, of penalties, penalties were bad timing, but usually... uh, I mean, perhaps, but these ones were especially bad timing. One of them was after Lorenzo Harrison juked about six people on a, to convert a third and 20. And then, uh, DJ Moore got called for holding, which was a bit, uh, Durkin today called it questionable at best, which I think was probably what it was. But, uh, I think, you know, that that penalty killed them. And there was there was just there were four holding penalties on outside runs that were all key. Pigram had a 38 yard run that was called back for holding. And um, they were they were just they were pretty ill timed. I will say the rushing defense. Um, I mean, the rushing defense was generally pretty good outside of the one. If you take away the seventy-yard run, which you can't, you can't just wipe that clean. I mean, that that happened, so that counts against you. But aside from that, they held Minnesota to three yards per carry, which is, you know, that's 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 that, pretty good. That, that's that's best you can expect from Maryland team. And granted, Minnesota's rush defense coming into the game wasn't particularly good, or rush offense, sorry, wasn't particularly good. But uh, you know, that's that's what you have to do against them. And then I think. You know, as for you'd want to make Connor Rota throw it a little bit more. I mean, you want to, sure, but like, it's, you know, they they were gonna they were gonna do what they what they wanted to do. And Maryland's Maryland's defense overall, I think, had a pretty good game. The offense just couldn't stay on the field. So now let's get to the other thing that happened, which made this bad game even worse. Injuries. Will likely suffered one. Uh, J.C. Jackson suffered one. 
Uh, I again, I'm not. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think. I don't think JC Jackson. Well, he was out at some point during the right, game, and that, that made was, me freak that out. But Will Likely is clearly injured, and that's a player Maryland really can't afford to lose in any way. Uh, the update: It sounds like he's going to miss this game on Saturday. Just from what I can glean from tweets, uh, you were at the press conference, so obviously I think you'd have a better uh, clue of that. Yeah, I think uh, the whole injury thing, uh, yeah, likely came out, which Maryland's defense was able to defend the pass without him, and which was which was good. But generally, um, you know, I was talking to some friends about Will Likely today, and it's it's kind of it's odd because he he was he's essentially the face of the program. You know, if there's anyone people might know from Maryland, it's Will Likely, and his name hasn't really been we haven't really heard a lot about him. Part of that is because if you're a defensive back and no one's talking about you, that probably means you're doing your job pretty well. And the second thing is that the punt returns, or the you know the return game for Maryland has not been particularly effective. Uh, it's it's come down really to a lot of people kicking away from Will Likely and just a lot of missed blocks. Um, you know, there was one play especially where likely I, he didn't call for a fair catch and he got absolutely drilled but i don't think that was, he, he stayed in after that but he came out after a later play um today at the uh yeah at the press conference he didn't he said he had no update on will likely then they released the depth chart and like perry hills likely was still listed as a starter but i'm not really sure if that means anything um at this point as, we shouldn't take their word to be worth much because after the Perry Hills thing, and I understand why I, college programs are secretive, but after that, I don't think we can really take their word to be worth I, much. And well, I mean, I think you know, I think we can take his word on this one because he said he didn't know. So there's, you know, that's a pretty, like, you know, he d- doubt he's really lying to us there, unless they do know. And the only way he'd be lying is if they do know, and it's bad. I guess I don't know, but uh, I, they, they might not know the severity. Right, but right. they they clearly obviously he's hurt. But I mean, if he's hurt and he's not going to play, and they kind of know that, I mean, if it's it would be it would be advantageous. Injury, it would be advantageous for them to not let Michigan State know that. Yeah, but so, but still, I mean, we're talking about Minnesota, who let us know on Monday of last week that Mitch Leidner wasn't going to play. So yes, I guess again, programs do things differently. But I I don't get the secret I don't get the secretive nature because I don't think it gives you that much of an advantage. But that's because I'm me. And yeah, yeah. I'd also, say I mean it probably doesn't. You know, give I'm also a hockey fan that deals with upper and lower body injuries, and all of that can mean and means absolutely nothing. So right, sure. I, I, de- I tend to hate that secretive. I will also note that uh, code that Durkin said on Monday that J.C. Jackson's. Um, that Tino Ellis started over J.C. Jackson just because he had a better week of practice. And J.C. was in there throughout the game, uh, sparingly, though. And uh, Tino Ellis actually played real well at corner, um, you know. Again, this is Connor Rowe that we're talking about, so. Yes, yes. It was against Minnesota's backup QB, who threw the ball off 15 times. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ellis had two or three uh, passes broken up. He had one where he looked, he, he almost – if he if he had secured it, he would have he would have had a pick six, but uh, he was you know he was on his man and kind of like like in the same way that in the beginning of the season you said well Marin looks pretty good because they're playing bad teams but they're blowing them out. Tino Ellis wasn't facing a very good quarterback, but he played very good defense. So it's it's a silver lining maybe. I don't really even know if you can talk about silver lining. So 
after that beatdown that Maryland took at home mm. and this is a bit, bit of a beatdown, now they're playing Michigan State. This is another example of a game before the season we thought, okay, guaranteed loss. Maryland's not winning this game even if they play their best and they're fully healthy and everything goes right. However, the season has changed quite a lot. And Michigan State has lost four in a row and just gave up 54 to Northwestern at home. Maryland has two games left before their the stretch of doom against Ohio St- uh, Michigan, Ohio State, and Nebraska, where they will not win any of those games, and they will probably lose by 30-plus in each of them. Uh, I'm also going to assume that they beat Rutgers for the sake of argument because Rutgers is worse than Maryland. Different, different positions, different stories, obviously, but Maryland's going to beat Rutgers. I don't think that even Tyrell Pigram could probably do that at this rate. So assuming that Maryland would have five wins, they need to win one of their next two games in order to become bowl eligible, which would be an absolute runaway success for the season, all things considered. Absolutely. I would not have predicted before the start of the season that Michigan State was going to be a more winnable game than Indiana, <laughs> and it is not only a very, it's a very winnable game. Like right yeah. now, Michigan State's in a tailspin. And they also, coming up next week, have Michigan. So now you're starting to think, well, wait a second. They might be looking ahead to the one game this year where they can salvage some pride, and it's a rivalry game. And Maryland is now under the lights. This is their probably their best chance to get that elusive six win, again, assuming they beat Rutgers. This is their best chance for that six win. Yeah, what do yeah. we make of this game? Because everything we thought we knew about it which clearly we don't know anything about it now. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was obviously as any other college football fan, I was like, yep, this is the last beginning of the season. Um, you know, you can't say Maryland should win this game after, you know, it was Maryland's uh, favorite in its last two games. Listen, but, you know, listen, Maryland listen has here, a really good. Here. I'm sorry to that? interrupt you, but you're playing a team that's lost four in a row has massive quarterback problems, and gave up 54 to Northwestern at home. You should be winning games like this. It doesn't really matter who you are. You have them at home. You have them at night. This is the kind of game that Maryland, it doesn't matter what you think of Michigan State. It doesn't really even matter what you think of Maryland's last two games. This is a game that if you're as good as you think you are, and I think DJ Durkin thinks they're better than the last two games, they're probably somewhere in between the first four and the last two, this is a game you have to win. Because, I mean, a four-game losing streak and you gave up 54 to Northwestern. This is a game you should be winning. Whether they um, win or not is, is a different story. Yeah, but I mean, you sure, they, the face they'd of like it. to win. But I think it's, I mean, I'd say it's pretty, I'd say it's, it's more like more like a toss-up. I don't know. S&P projects Maryland by six, which is pretty good. Um, I'm not sure. I think it will probably end up being a little, being closer than that. If I'm being honest, um, I think this and, game ends ten to six, probably something <laughs> like that. No offense. Yeah, I think um, the big thing for Maryland is just, and this is this might be too simplistic of an answer, but uh, you know, Maryland beat all these bad teams in the in the beginning of the season because it had Lorenzo Harrison and Ty Johnson like just dashing, gashing defenses for big runs. It's not to put the onus on them because that's still a byproduct of the entire offense doing its job from the offensive line blocking, quarterback, you know, making the right reads and wide receivers blocking down the field and whatnot. But uh, I think Maryland's going to need big plays if it's going to want to beat Michigan State. I think that's not going to be particularly easy no matter – and, you know, I, I'm, all, I'm all for ignoring 
the fact that Michigan State is a, you know, traditional power and just, you know, that is irrelevant. It's just what players do they have? Are they better than Maryland players? And, you know, it's... I'd I'd say it's 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 got to be it's got to be pretty close at this point. Well, it four is game, four game losing streak or not. Those are all teams that you can't you can't say Maryland would have beaten Indi- beaten Wisconsin, uh, probably not BYU, Indiana, and Northwestern. Probably real close games for Maryland. Ooh, you know what? I, I'm, Northwestern's I, ranked one one spot behind Maryland. Northwestern at home would have been close. Indiana, we're gonna find out, and I think Maryland could have beaten. I don't think BYU is nearly as good as as some people make them out to be. Obviously, they're not beating Wisconsin, but but even then, I mean, I've checked the lines. It's somewhere between Maryland's is a two point or somewhere between a two and a three point dog at home. Which again, if you expected that before the start of the season, you were nuts. But Michigan State, in many ways, has similar problems to Maryland. They have a yeah, talent absolutely. drain right now. They have no quarterback. Tyler O'Connor has been benched, and when he has played, he's looked bad. So they've got quarterback issues. And as I said, I, I can't repeat this enough. Northwestern scored 54 on them at home. At home. This is a problem. And if Maryland, let's say Perry Hills plays, and they start to actually look a bit more like the Maryland of the first four weeks, this is a situation in which they can win it. And listen, I've said, we've said the last two weeks that Maryland can win both of those games. I don't think most of us predicted that they should. I, I said last week, you're playing against a backup at home. If I had known Tyrell Pigram was going to start, I probably wouldn't have said that. But assuming Perry Hill starts in this game, and there's every reason to believe that he will, Maryland should beat a team that's in a tailspin with no quarterback at home at night. This isn't playing Michigan State two years ago under the lights. This isn't what Maryland would have done if they played Michigan under the lights that year. This is a completely different ball game, and, and I, I, I want to stress, at least in my view, the importance of this game as in, I don't know if Maryland's going to beat Indiana next week because Indiana hung tough with Ohio State and Nebraska, and I don't think Maryland's going to be able to do that. So, and they beat Michigan State already, although it was in overtime. So I'm saying that this is probably Maryland's most important game of the season because it's their best chance to win, not playing Rutgers. And you need six to get into a bowl game. And what do you, I mean, do you think it, Maryland's got a better chance to beat Indiana? Because right now I don't. No, I think this is it. I think for sure. Uh, this is Maryland's best shot. If they don't win today, it's going to be real hard to get to a bowl game. Um, Indiana's not obviously an impossible team to beat, but, uh, you know, Penn State and Minnesota weren't impossible to beat either, and Maryland couldn't do it. I would say this, I mean, just stati- statistically, I mean, this is this is the shot. This is Maryland's ranked 10, 10 spots, 11 spots ahead of them in S&P, and they're not going to play a team – would they have such an advantage like that until they play Rutgers, which yep. is either going to be an exciting game at the end of the season or well, it's either going to be a game that Maryland needs to win to get bowl eligible, which means they'll probably lose, or it's a complete dead rubber. Using a soccer phrase that I am a huge fan of, it's going to be like last year and when the game meant absolutely nothing. Uh, let's talk about this game. You did watch some film on Michigan State. And for all my yelling about me thinking that this game is very important, and it is. And it's also a night game, too. And Maryland, since I went to school there in 2012, Maryland has had two night games, okay, including this one. And not, not including last year's one that was supposed to be a night game and then got moved. So 
night games are obviously very important. The stadium might be more full than it was for the last two games, which, I mean, the last two games, we could talk about attendance another time. So I, I think Maryland will have the atmosphere on its side. But what do you think after you've watched the Michigan State film from the last couple of weeks? And again, they're getting beat up by Indiana, BYU, and Northwestern. This is not the class of college football here. And if Maryland's on its game, and we've seen at times this year that they can be, they can beat them. Yeah, I mean, Maryland obviously can beat them. Uh, I wish I w- wish I could have got to watch a little bit more of Michigan State than I ended up being able to watch. But, um, n- you know, there's nothing about their offense that is particularly scary at all. There's nothing about Minnesota's offense that was scary either. But uh, I think it's, yeah, I mean, like Maryland's defense, you I think would match up probably pretty well. Um you know, I imagine what I saw a little bit, at least a little bit from Northwestern was that for the most part, they played their base defense like a 4-3 against Michigan State. And I imagine if if Will Likely isn't able to play, which we still don't know, it seems like he won't, then I imagine that instead of having someone else fill in at the as the nickel corner, Maryland will probably go with uh, putting Jalen Brooks at outside linebacker instead. So it'll be Cockrell. Um, Jermaine Carter and Brooks all at linebacker and hoping that that can help stop Michigan State's rushing attack because, yeah, I mean, if you if you seems like if you put Michigan State into a passing situation, that is when they really struggle. Obviously, their, you know, their quarterback situation has been pretty not great. Uh, Tyler O'Connor got benched and his replacement did not do much better. I'm still not even sure who Maryland's going to be facing this week, but uh, I'm not sure it really even matters. Um, I think it's, it, as as with most of Maryland's game games, it'll probably come down to can Maryland stop the run and can Maryland pass just enough to take some of the pressure and some of the eyes off the run game. Do you think that they can do that? And obviously I will add in as well, be more disciplined and not take stupid penalties. Mm-hmm. That's very important too. Uh, um, I I think I think they can uh, do it. I I I don't even. It's this game's such a toss up whether they actually will. Um, but I think, I mean, they they certainly can. And if we have Perry Hills a quarterback, we they. Uh, if, well, if you Perry, go to Maryland. I know you're obviously your journalist, but you go to Maryland. Yeah. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going <laughs> to give you. St- there yeah. are many other sins in the journalistic world that were bigger this week than what you just did. Um, I think, yeah. I if Perry Hills is quarterback, I think I think they're good. If Pigram's quarterback, I think like I'm still not like I'm still not sure how much they lose having Pigram a quarterback. And I think him having that last week under under his belt and him being able to run the offense fairly effectively in the fourth quarter definitely bodes well. Um, I think Michigan State having people like Malik McDowell rushing the passer doesn't bode particularly well for anyone on Maryland. But um, No, but it didn't help them against uh, teams that arguably had worse offenses than Maryland. So, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be... It's going to be tough. It's going to be a real toss-up, but maybe that means uh, some fans will actually go. Um, I, I imagine the student section will be pretty full. Um, and, yeah, I think I, – I, I honestly, I wonder. I don't 
have that much contact with people who who just casual Maryland fans. So I don't know if they'll be going to the game. The best I have is my uh, uncle, and he stopped going to games at a certain point last year. I think he'll probably be going this year, but I'm not sure. I wonder, and the whole night game is another whole issue because, uh, and Michigan State, I believe, was the last team Maryland played at night yep. two years ago. Yep. Um, but and I, but if you if you follow me on Twitter at Batsbusings one, which you should absolutely do, I have a picture from that game as my like header photo, and the stadium was sold out then. Now, obviously, Maryland was coming into that game and into that season in a much different position than they are now, but that game was. 100% sold out. It was also the first year of the Big Ten, and again, these are things that happen, but it was completely sold out, and that was my only night game experience, and I think, again, I think night games have a little bit more cachet than, oh, we're playing at 12 against Minnesota, and I can watch this game in my dorm room. Obviously, you couldn't because it was on ESPNU, but the point still stands. I think it being a night game changes the aspects of it more, and Michigan State's not going to travel with their fans, and they will, but they're not going to travel with the fans the same way that Ohio State will in a couple of weeks, and it will be very noticeable that Maryland doesn't have a lot of fans there. And obviously, the last time Maryland played Ohio State at home, it was their first ever Big Ten home game, and Maryland was playing an Ohio State team that was in a much worse position than they're in now. But anyway, all of that aside, go to the game if you aren't, because this is going to be Maryland's best chance to win a game until Rutgers, and you're not going to the Rutgers game because it's Thanksgiving weekend and it's Rutgers. So, saying that, for all that it's worth. I want to quickly get to uh, Maryland Madness, which I don't think you went to, Ryan, but was hoping Thomas was here because he was there and he saw the stuff. Uh, they did a Sports Center thing with Christy Winter Scott and Johnny Holiday, which... Points for committing to your gimmick, maybe? I don't know. I've always found the themes of Maryland Madness to be kind of stupid. Uh, anything from that you want to take note of other than Maryland basketball is not that far away, and that's arguably going to be way more fun than watching the football team? <laughs> um, there seemed like some pretty good dunks. Uh, Kevin Herter seems like he got some hops, which is nice. Um, you know, I think with a guy like Kevin Herter, it'll be very interesting. I have, you know... Maybe saw a glimpse of his highlights, saw him shoot a couple of threes. That's about it. But uh, generally, I imagine uh, he'll have the he'll come in having the stereotype as a just white guard who only shoots threes. But he he clearly has some athleticism, which mm-hmm. is cool. Uh, and yeah, Micah Thomas and LG Gill also had some dunks, cool dunks in the dunk contest that I imagine they just made all the newcomers do because none of the other people wanted to do it, which is fair. I probably wouldn't want to do it either. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, basketball will be back open practice next uh, on Saturday before the Michigan state game at three o'clock. If you're build up, it's basically the, we're going to try to build up hopes that Maryland is good at something, uh, before <laughs> you all go to see crushing disappointment. Well, you could, I don't know if they'll be building it like that, but you could, ah, you could if you want to. At least that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, I, I put it this way. I don't think basketball is going to have attendance issues this year. Like football has. Yeah, I'm, I imagine not. I will be interested to see because last year basketball, the uh, I mean, the attendance was just nuts, and then obviously the season didn't quite turn out like most of us had hoped. But this year, with the hype being significantly less, uh, first of all, I think that makes the season just a little bit more exciting because last year it makes almost, it way more fun. It makes last year there was almost nowhere to, to go but of. down. Last year there was almost nowhere to go but down, and now this year, um, 
who really knows what they're going to do? I well, don't think I, anyone I, does. I, I still think attendance should be great because Mellow Trimble is playing. And what we do know, and unless he gets injured, uh, and obviously we don't hope that happens, uh, unless he's injured, this obviously. is his last season in College Park, and this is Mellow Trimble. This is what we're saying, why attendance should be good, because you're not going to get many more chances to watch him play at Xfinity Center. So, point taken. I should also mention that if you are looking for happiness in uh, Maryland sports, uh, the men's soccer team is still unbeaten and number one in the country. Yes. And they're really good. So you should go to Ludwig and watch them. And obviously I'm a soccer guy, so I could say that. And after having called some college soccer games that were nowhere near as good as watching Maryland play, you should go do that. And they are unbeaten. And I will let you know, as a soccer guy, if your team is unbeaten as late into a season as Maryland's is, uh, they're pretty dang good, and they are really dang good. And this is, and Maryland soccer is always good, but different. They're a different level of good than they are than they have been in the past. So that's they're always that's, good, but they're uh, they're only this good every once in a while. Yeah, you don't get you don't get this good uh, every now and again. And I'm telling you that Maryland being this good, you might not see it for a while, and they are really good. And Still MLS, and now with two more teams in Major League Soccer, there is a strong possibility, I think, that a lot of these players you're seeing this year might not be there next year for whatever reason. So go out and enjoy that. I don't think there are many more games, but at this rate, the Big Ten tournament's going to be in College Park. So have fun with that. And there will be multiple NCAA tournament games in College Park, too. So uh, good to end it on a high note. Thank you, Ryan, for uh, doing all the heavy lifting while Thomas was ill. Hopefully, we can watch some Maryland football again over the weekend, and it will make him feel not sick anymore. I hope the same. Well, yeah, because you've got a lot of stuff that you otherwise you have to do all the heavy lifting. I was debating coming down this weekend for the game, but I'm not doing that now. So uh, the only way I would have come down, obviously speaking and peeking behind the curtain, would have been if I was covering the game. I wouldn't have had to. I would have paid for a ticket to yeah. to go. Well, we're- Rumor has an old friend, Alex Kushner, is in town at some oh, point this week. Oh, my goodness gracious but, uh, me. Well, I, I think that knows. you know what that means for next week's show. But anyway, thank well, you. Well, I don't know if he's in town at the game. I think he might just be in – who knows? Who knows what he's doing? You know what that he means, might be College for me Park. to speculate on his uh, locations. You know what that means, College Park. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Ryan, for helping us out tonight. Uh, Make sure you download the show, subscribe to it, all the fun stuff. Follow us on Twitter. uh, And, of course, go Terps.